Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hey, everybody. It's uh, your friend Nick Borelli at Event Brew coming at you with a different squad of people with facial hair on your podcast recording machine it's uh that's how you know it's a podcast it's gentlemen with facial hair uh (laughs) i am introducing uh myself and i'll let everyone else introduce themselves we have similar octaves try to get them (laughs) under control i'm nick good good luck that was will and uh yet to introduce himself because he's uh, I, I assume a professional, so he's uh, used. <laughs> he's to... waiting for an introduction. From us. Yeah, <laughs> no, I thought I'd go the other direction. Be like, "Hi, everybody, I'm Brett." M i c k e y. Right. You'll you'll know this this man from uh, from event icons. If you haven't ever listened to event icons, go over there and listen to the fourteen thousand episodes he's been on, and also hosted as well, and also host of another one of our podcasts, the Event Tech Podcast. We're joined by the exclusively awesome. Brant Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. Also, dude. With Hi, a beard. everyone. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Hi, Leo. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. I, it's been. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've been on Event yeah. Brew before, but it's been a long Has time. It? Oh, dude, I don't even yeah. know anymore. Yeah, I think yeah. possibly pre-pandemic. Yeah, oh, I think pre-pandemic. Oh I think uh, in place of Will. Uh, I think at one point. It's, um, it's better that you were pre-pandemic because it, once it went pandemic, this this ep- this we had a got very <laughs> we had a lot of episodes about that. Turns out. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out it was something that really affected the events industry, you know? But uh, Yeah. <laughs> but yeah so, well, had so, some things to say. Yeah. There was uh so what else can we talk about? Uh, oof, uh how's your couch treating you? Good. <laughs> Good. What's on Netflix? Uh yeah, there was a lot of that uh in 2020 uh and then there was a lot of Oh, we're all back and then there was another of oh, Are we kidding. back? Uh, so yeah, uh, catching you up on that's previously on Event Brew right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you've missed, Brent. Like, <laughs> yeah, feel like I've just uh, listened to all of them. Thanks. Yeah, right. good, good, good catching up. You a lot of time uh, for sure. Uh, but everyone so, who doesn't know, yeah, Dustin and, and Dustin, not Dustin, Nick, Dustin and Tui are out on assignment. They they got events going on and travel and all this crazy stuff. So yeah, uh, just us, just us hanging out today. But uh, next few yeah. weeks, there's going to be some people in and out uh, working too. We have some uh, a number of events. The event industry in the fourth quarter, uh, I think, really picks up as far as the amount of industry events. So um, that's where I'll be. But uh, first, before we get into any of that fun stuff, uh, let's see how fast we can get through the, the what are we drinking phase of this, which I'm sure uh, will, uh, should be marked off so people can just fast forward. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking <laughs> water, so like that's uh, unusual, I'll, I'll admit, uh, and uh, briefly stated. Wow, dude, you've, got, you've changed. You've changed, man. I guess. I'm on like um. hour <laughs> 12 of working, so this is just what's left because I don't feel like going downstairs. <laughs> Uh, I'm, uh, I was going to go down and make a chai latte, but then I didn't want to be late to Brant getting here. So I <laughs> I grabbed an iced tea out of the fridge and got an honest peach oolong tea. Um, so that's why I'm drinking some tea. What, Brant, what, do you, what are you drinking right now? I've got brown liquid in a coffee mug that isn't coffee. Hmm. You can say it. We drink alcohol on this show. Yeah. It's a uh, it's cheap scotch. Cheap scotch. Is it's it very good? cheap scotch. Is it good? Uh, no, it's not good. I didn't even <laughs> wash out. I didn't even wash out the coffee. Cup, let me put it that way. Like coffee scotch. Yeah. S- scotch. It's a. It's a. Was, was the, the old like Lou Grant back in the like nineteen seventies, oh, yeah. just drinking drinking scotch out of the coffee cup. <laughs> yeah, scotch, I scotch. I went to a, a really old school high school uh, that had a lot of teachers that did that, and then they just had <laughs> plaques or whatever the the most. Wait, what? mouthwash you could think of uh at their desks so like they're like, always smelled like mouthwash but it was to uh get rid of the decanter of liquor in the smoking lounge for the teachers 
Because this was another millennia, literally. (laughs) (laughs) I remember back in the day. An all-guys school uh, with uh, teachers drinking scotch out of a decanter and smoking uh, in between classes. Uh, Boy, kids are really missing out on um, (laughs) nothing. None of that is good <laughs> or positive. The, the, the old days were worse than the days we're in now. Uh, I just want to always uh, say that. Um, but one of the things we're talking about today is uh, uh, the opposite of that. So uh, we're talking about something. There's something at the center of what we were just talking about off air about how to make things better and how there seems to be forces uh, that have pushed the world to um, extremes. And it, to me, I've always found that like when I had conversations with people at events, particularly in person, uh, but just events where I actually could see the human being I was talking to, immediately the tone became less, the trying to find common ground became automatic, and things got done. And, and I find that like there's a lot of avenues of communication that exists currently where I feel like things aren't getting done. Uh, but in fact, people are trying to show off or have their biases confirmed. And there's a lot of positioning that happens uh, for superiority and lots of other uh, issues. And and really, I, I don't find as often as I used to common ground uh, spaces, you know, s- uh, spaces that are safe, so to speak, uh, for people to disagree, but to work towards some commonality. And um, I don't know, as, as, as people who have spent our, our lives, you know, a, a large portion of it, trying to bring people together, there's something there that I think we can, we can work at. And we're going to try to maybe deconstruct a few uh, things based on experiences that we've had uh, in order to see if there's, there's something that we can all work on there to uh, make the world a better place. That's a real lofty uh, episode goal, but let's, 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 I've been in tech at least too make long the events, now. At least make the events industry a better place to start off. I'm going to need some more brown liquid. If that's <laughs> <laughs> so that's the assignment. You have to, you have to improve upon uh, life as we know it, uh, and you have uh, the world's algorithms uh, working against you. Uh, who's first? Because <laughs> I don't I feel like you, have a, you, you got good stories about this one, Brian. I'm sure. Well, it, it's been on my mind a lot lately in different ways, and so you're hovering around a lot of different things, and it's, it's, it yeah. has been congealing lately in my head, like yesterday's pizza. But it's it's one of those things where it's so easy to criticize, especially online, and and we're just as guilty of it in the event industry as anybody. Like, like when, when, when event people go to an event, they're some of the most critical people that I know of just like, Oh my God, I can't believe they served that. Oh, you know, I, you know, look at the lines at the, at the buffets, you know, why, why don't they open another one? Why, you know, why don't, you know, and you know, I've, I've been just as guilty of that as anyone else. And it's just so easy to sit and dog on someone else's event. And, but it's, that, that existed pre, you know, the last 10 years. I mean, that, that's been around for a long time. But where it started to get worse is, is definitely online. And I've been proudly off Facebook for almost eight years, I think, at this point. Uh, at least six, I Congratu- think. Congratulations. Um, and it's, I, it, it, I don't miss it at all it's it's because there was so much negativity there was so much you know hate and 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 the word that's been rattling around i read a really good article and the word that is uh uh that the author used was contempt and like that's that's a really good word because it's complex it's 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 anger mixed with i'm better than you you know you're nothing and we see a lot of that online right now that it's not just you're dumb but i'm better than you and you're and you're nothing um and that that so when we're talking about building the world better and what can we do to communicate better that contempt easily comes out online and it's so much harder to feel those same emo- same emotions to someone that's in the room with you when you're having a conversation with a person in the room and i think it's probably one of those intangibles when we talk about when event folks talk about the magic of in-person events i think that's one of those intangibles that you're able to have a more civil conversation when the person is right there in front of you and the things that people say online that they would never say 
to that person's face just continues to amaze me that that not even talking about like tough guy or anything like that like oh, you wouldn't say that to a tough guy because i'd beat you up but just like <laughs> to another human being in the room you would never say that what you just said uh, and it's so easy to slide down those ways in uh, those those routes in online communications because there's just that one extra disconnect that one you know step away from being there talking to the person face to face um so I think that's that's some of it. And then the other thing that I want to kind of throw on the table here before we toss it off over to you guys is is part of that is not only just not not only you know avoiding the contempt machine, but then trying to create advocates instead of adversaries. So that like when we are passionate about something, when we feel strongly about uh, a movement or social justice change or something like that, not tearing down people because they're not doing it the way that we want them to do necessarily, but helping them um, and and working with them and caring about them and in, you know coming from a good place as opposed to just the tear down flame. You're not doing it right. You're stupid. Uh, which uh, which is part of again that same kind of contempty type feeling and making people want to fight on your behalf as opposed to just tearing them down for being stupid. That's really interesting. I'm wondering if it like it spawns a little bit from the fact that like the internet was used to be so anonymous, right? And you had no no one had any idea, right? And that's where like trolls came from and things like that. But now like especially when we talk about like the business world of you know the events industry, you're, you're probably not posting like as like event dude you know 23 on 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 twitter or something like that it's probably your real name and it's like your actual linkedin and things like that and i'm wondering if like that culture of like the internet kind of like flew into it a little bit in some ways but i definitely know that for sure that it seems like it's a it's way easier to be a jerk and a dick than it is to be a nice person i i learned that early on in middle school right but you also too like it it takes a lot to be positive and it takes a lot to you know um be able to be yeah be nice and take the high road and seek that positivity rather than yeah just like jump in but well also too like it it's easier to be controversial right like i'll i'll say this too now it's like even in today's like newsletter for uh for uh for endless we call it the weekly sound check um i was commenting on an event that had really terrible live streaming and i got you know i called them called them out and said it was it was probably one of the worst live streams i've ever seen um and, and don't worry it wasn't any one of your guys's events out there um it was a very 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 big event um, and, uh, yeah, it was interesting. No, no, it wasn't that one. It's, it's not even in an industry, an industry event. It was, uh, like a consumer facing event. Mm. And so, um, so what's interesting though about it was though, I think this will maybe where it pairs. I'm wondering, you know, I'm contra I try to bring in the controversial, but then what I do is I try to pair it with is here's how you can learn from it. And here's how you could make it better too, and offer suggestions rather than just, you know, I, I, I definitely am not a big fan of like. I'm going to say something controversial and call someone out and then just kind of like drop the mic and walk away. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, the task of the, the event designer is to design intentionally uh, or create intentionally designed experiences that cause change. And, and I think that the next step beyond that uh, is creating change agents. Like if you're really like next level, it's, how do you enable and empower other people to take what you have put in them and want them and make them excited about enough as a participant to continue their participation in the change that you've created and, and share that with the world? But that, me that takes meeting them where they're at, making their change, and also listening to them enough where you have now mutually um, designed community that uh, is on the same page. All of that is a lot of work. Uh, it's not talking at people. And I think that the internet in its dehumanization uh, has really made talking at people its primary function. And I think that that's probably in response to, I mean, geez, I don't even know how long, forever of, of very few people having the power to communicate. And now the entire world does. I mean, if you think back 15 years before that, like there, your, your voice uh, was the people that you knew and, and the majority of people. Potentially there were some people that had 
you know, literally a soapbox uh, as their uh, ability to communicate to people, you know, like so they'd be, you know, two feet above them to re- to get as many as 15 people at a time. But we're talking there was uh, three news organi- or not th- three network channels and uh, very few people had the power to communicate on a large scale. And now everyone can. So with that kind of fire that has been brought to the masses, uh, you now get, I think, a reactionary period of time, fingers crossed, where everyone is given something and like a uh, 21-year-old newly able to buy alcohol, they binge on it. And they binge on the ability to have this microphone uh, that they, as people, as people we've never had. Uh, and there's, there's just as many stories of the, the internet and online communications being used to coordinate good as there is bad. There's been uh, regimes that were awful torn down. There's been terrorist organizations that have used it as their uh, ability to uh, recruit. Everything good, everything bad all at once. Um, and now we're just sort of getting to this period of time where it's been, it's been almost two decades of this type of communication. And we're, I think, getting to a, an equilibrium where um, there is the first groupings of people saying this is not designed well in order to bring people together. And like that movement has just started to kick in uh, over the last, like, let's say, year or better where that's really gaining steam of saying like by design, this platform and how people are isn't really working as far as its intended goal and that either we need to change uh, or we need to, you know, really push these platforms if they're going to exist in the way they do to change. Um, because the things that we've done in smaller scale bringing people together have kind of worked more or less as far as creating action. The action is the deficit right now, I think, in a lot of the online uh, ways to communicate where there's a lot of noise, but is anyone listening? You know, is any is anyone changing? Like in a thread column where you call somebody an idiot, are they going, oh, maybe I'm an idiot and maybe everything I believe is <laughs> false because of the way and the volume that that person called me an idiot? Like that's not how it works. But meanwhile, if you put people together in a room, they would say something to the effect of, well, I, I hear what you're saying, but... Have you considered this? Like you instantly tonally shift in order to find that common ground, but potentially still challenge. I I think the world needs more of that right now. And I think people in in the events industry, uh, you know, I call it industry, whatever, anyone who is bringing people together, it's probably there's a hole to be filled there. And I think we could design better experiences if we think about that. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I think we've I think we've solved it. We're, yeah. we're good. All right. So someone who's listening to this and then they put on their seventeen minutes. We're done. Dental right. association oh. show and they're like, uh, "How does this affect me?" You know, like, <laughs> uh, and it, it it can. I think it does because likely there there's you know in any group in any community there's. Uh, there's different ways of think of seeing things and there's different growth opportunities and there's different advocacy routes. And what, what Brant said that really, you know, is the other half of this is, uh, okay, this is how we can come at this differently, but how do we uh, talk to other people in order to make them uh, understand not only where we're coming from, but also how do we make them uh, who maybe who are uh, advocates or maybe people who could help our cause how do we um, help them in their journey uh, for change and not just see change as just change now, do it now. You know, like, and right. I think that's tough. It takes, it takes the better person often um, to be able to, like I, the worst two combinations of, uh, of like ways of being, in my opinion, has always been uh, ignorance and um, like lack of humility, right? The people who are don't know anything and also think they know everything—the worst. If you, <laughs> like I, I know I don't know everything, uh, so that's fine. Uh, but I'm still willing to talk. And people that talk nonstop and then also think they know everything—that's <laughs> that's the problem. You know, where I think you kind of hit on something there is 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 finding your voice to help other people move forward. And so I mean, I, I kind of got an example of this that, that I don't think I told on Event Tech Podcast, but I, I may have. Um, but I was working with a group and the executive was on stage 
and um, open mic, we're testing stuff, you know, he's running through his presentation and stuff. And he, um, uh, we were talking about, he wanted to, oh, he wanted to strike the, um, uh, the podium mic. So we had a wired podium mic that was there. It's, it's your emergency backup, right? It's, it's, it's there in case all, everything else fails. You've got it. He's like, but he didn't like the way he looked. And so he asked us to strike it. And I kind of made some of the comment of like, well, you know, we really want to have that kind of backup, uh, you know, just in case the wireless mic stopped working. And he said, well, for what we're paying you, everything should work. And like said that like full, full, full volume, you know, over the over the house. And it's like you just basically told, you know, the entire crew that they're not allowed to make any mistakes because of the enormous amount of money that you're paying for this show. And mm-hmm. you could just feel like a tense moment in the room. And kind of to to your point, what happened was the MC actually stepped in then. Wow. And he could have just said, he could have just kept quiet. And, you know, the executive could have pressed his case and we could have struck the microphone. And then if nothing, you know, if something went bad, we wouldn't have had a backup. Um, but instead, the MC chose to step in and say, well, you know, you really do want that. You know, anything can happen. You know, these guys are professionals. The reason they have the backup is because they're professionals, because they know better. Like, really stepped in to have my back at that moment. And that was not something that he needed to do. Um, But he knew the importance of, you know, backing the people that are going to make you look good. And that kind of goes back to that, you know, advocate versus adversary thing that the, the, the executive decided to have kind of that adversarial, well, for what we're paying you, blah, 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 kind of attitude, as opposed to the MC who wanted to be like, no, you know, these guys, the professionals, they know what they're doing. You know, we're bringing them in here to make us look good. You know, that kind of attitude. So looking for those opportunities to to support each other and to go for the long game of how do we make our events better as opposed to just tearing down when we when we see something that's not working right. I think it's coming from a place of empathy, right? Like being able to see the other person's position, put literally put their shoes on and see where it's at. And I think that you know, so much of this goes to the fact that like what I what I see, too, is like almost the flip side of that conversation of, well, what happens when something did go wrong? He's probably also going to be the person who's going to be like, rah, 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 like, I can't believe this happened. You know, he obviously said that out loud. So obviously that would have happened. But, you know, I think that for him to that we see it all the time sometimes where even people who are quiet who don't say that stuff out loud, then something goes wrong. And it's like, hey, you got to have some empathy from kind of where this person's coming from and what they're trying to do. And. You know, I think far too often it, it comes from this place where, like you said, it's people who think that they know everything when in reality it could be there's so much more to learn, right? Because when things go wrong, it's not like this person sat here and said, like, press the everything goes wrong button, right? Or that that person made an egregious mistake. It hardly ever happens that way. Sometimes it's literally Murphy's Law when it comes to the events industry. And I feel like as an industry, we just need way more empathy for everything that's going on, Right. Yeah, I mean, there's it's it's very it's it's a very small target. That's that's the one thing that's always working against uh, the events industry and anyone who's producing events is that it's uh, you have to stick the landing. And it's not like like for instance, what I would do in a day of marketing. You know, I'm looking at keywords and I'm looking to see what's working, and I tweak it a little bit. And a bad day is not is nothing. It doesn't matter because I, I look at things in the in in months and in quarters. And I tweak and what I, I, you know, a bad guess as to how I think a certain thing will work uh, means I'll learn a lot and that the outcome of it, I will change things and I'll be for the better aggregate. Events don't work like that. Like they have to kind of really stick that landing and they have to be, um, you know, pretty, pretty well put together in the small target that you have to hit. And with that comes a lot of stress. With that comes a lot of uh, anxiety um, and that's on the side of us putting these things together. So we should definitely have a lot of empathy because I think that all of us, no matter what we do, we have that in common. Uh, we have going through COVID in common now. Frankly, I think that there should be even more empathy as far as, you know, when someone's like, oh, you know, I, I need I need more staff or, you know, this. Like we should all be much more, I think, understanding of each other. Um, so that's on the internal side. and the external side, I really think that like, the world itself is going through a lot of issues that I think events have the ability to potentially alleviate if we could, 
you know, take the lessons that we've learned in, in communication and organization and bringing people together and help uh, design experiences where the idea of it is that there's representation, uh, that there is different thoughts and ideas have the ability to be out there without there necessarily being um, any kind of negativity associated with platforming, quote unquote, people who don't necessarily agree with um, what everyone believes uh, and just creating an atmosphere of uh, of sort of safety. But really, it's just an atmosphere of respect where a bunch of ideas can be thrown out, you know, thrown around and people can take what they want from that. But there is a mutual uh, respect that's given. And that's one thing that like I, I spent uh, four years on a travel speech and debate team. And like respect was a huge aspect of that because we had to vehemently believe the things that we were saying in order to be successful, but we had to do so in a way that kept a decorum that was, um, you know, uh, all, uh, not personal, you know, and, and that's, everything's personal now. And that's tough. Speech, speech and debate is an underval- underrated, undervalued uh, high school event, by the way. I was, I was yeah. also in that. And yeah. just the Spoken fact that like it teaches you. Speech and debate nerd. Yeah, like you have to, well, but you have to, like Nick LD. said, you have to take both take yeah. both sides of a problem, research and study them equally, yep. come up with equally value, valid arguments mm-hmm. as strong as possible, even if you don't believe it, and play it like you do. And yeah, I generally could really, believe yeah, it. Uh, I, I think that's one of the main skills is that uh, I could generally believe it in the moment, you know, while I'm talking about it. And if you really go the whole way, uh, that's a big part of it, too, is that you, you didn't you didn't stick with learn one side of it. Uh, that's, I think, the problem. What we're most of us are facing right now is all of us have picked a side uh, like sports. Right. It's like, well, I was arbitrarily born in this city. And therefore, when this collection of individuals throws a ball through a hoop or hits a you know a line drive and creates a home run uh, i start to make these fake sports analogies you're doing doing good you're doing good you're doing good keep going keep going yeah yeah exactly uh (laughs) then uh then it's like we did it we won and those guys are bums and then they get their blood pressure changes based on uh a a game that children play uh and, and, you know, I'm for it, too, by the way. Like, it's all good. But, like, we have to think of, like, we people get that involved on something that arbitrary. Uh, but meanwhile, like, they, they it's not – that sports is not everything, right? Like, sports is kind of like a recreation. It's a television show, basically. We, we've taken sports and we've assigned it to everything that we believe. You know, it's like it's built in rock and I, forever I will have uh, my loyalty to this idea and, and, and this, this stance – and, and with, with that, I think this is where the insidiousness of social media comes in uh, as far as algorithmically dishing you out things that, you, that support your belief uh, through this kind of echo chamber of uh, an algorithm that says, well, you said you liked this and you commented on stuff like this, so therefore you, you want to see more of it. And then it just reinforces everything that you believe to the degree where we have uh, an untold Such number of flat earthers at this point. Uh, such a good point. I never thought about the idea that, like, you know, you assume that that you know everyone always is constantly hearing the other opinion. But yeah, because you end up getting served back exactly what it is, you always assume that you're right. That yep. you're always right because it's always serving you back the exact same information. No one likes so, to feel like they're an idiot, right? Like, or no one likes to feel like they're wrong. They, there's comfort in in your biases being confirmed, and when you continually confirm your biases you have elections where people are like i can't believe that person won how could that ever happen it's like well it's because you've you've never come in contact with people that think differently than you and you you don't even know they exist because they've been weeded out algorithmically from you know coming into your the only place that you take in your information and and i think that like if you design experiences you design gatherings we should be designing more for different ideas uh, as opposed to universal. Like we should expose people to the opposition more frequently. Um, it really, it makes it, it the challenge of that. It's just the difficulty of it is it's not comfortable always. And it takes a lot of work to be able to create that atmosphere of respect, especially in a world of yelling. A good point about this executive, right, to go back to the story, is that he probably works within a company where he can yell out and say shit like that all the time, and he gets away with it. 
and that it's always the right answer and that it's okay for him to do that. And then I bet you he had a re- – I mean, I hope so. Had a real humbling moment when the MC st- stuck up and talked to him. Either that or he went backstage and talked more shit and he was even more pissed off, you know. And But, it, you know, I think it's one of those things where you end up just – yeah, again, the echo chamber that you end up creating. Like I think the more that we can sit here and reflect and go, hmm, maybe that – maybe I should listen to that. Maybe, you know, that isn't the worst idea in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think that the, one of the most important things you can do in your life is to have people who you have uh, around you, who you respect, uh, who are also willing to challenge you. And it, it's it's one of the things where there's people doing like outrageously in, insane things. And I'm like, man, you know what that person doesn't have in their life? A good enough friend to tell them that they're being a piece of crap. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it, it's really it's like the 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 kind of like it's funny. I was I listened to this one podcast uh, called The Art of Charm, and in it um, they interviewed Shaquille O'Neal, and Shaquille O'Neal makes his decisions based on a board uh, of people, like all decisions uh, of people who uh, challenge him and completely have his back, including his mother, his agent. Uh, a number of his childhood friends and some other people, and they can outvote him on life decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it's 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 a really like designed idea, I suppose. But but just the idea of having people in your pocket who are who won't just tell you things to make you comfortable, but who will challenge you. But again, this is the this is the key, I think, to be the advocate that that Brandt is is looking for more of in the world. Is there has to be that kind of mutual. Uh, respect given on both sides in order to have that be taken uh, and not be put off. A uh, good, good resource for this is Radical Candor. Oh, love that um, book. So, you know, care personally, but also challenge directly, right? Like everyone yep. loves it. We're talking about the challenge directly being sometimes a dick, but if you care personally, that's how it turns from being, you know, being an asshole to being radically candor. It's a it's actually a must read book in the merit system. Uh, everyone in merits has to read that. And there's a lot of education around radical candor. Uh, it's one of the I think it's one of the coolest like operating systems. Uh, it, you know, even if you know it, it's really hard to do for mm-hmm. sure. People are, you know, people are fragile. Uh, it takes a lot for everyone to be, you know, thick skinned. Even just like in general, I've tried to be like where where a lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And then, oh, we got to figure out like I've never done that. I've always been like, yeah, I think we can figure out how to do like, and to, to the <laughs> scope, point where like, creep. It, it, yeah, scope creep and stuff like that, 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 that it's always bothered me when people, it, well, in general, and I tell this to my kids all the time, like my, one of my biggest pet peeves on the planet is people that lie about things that don't matter. And if, if they lie about things that don't matter, then they will absolutely lie about things that do. And it's, you know, and so when I see people in the industry, you know, you know, I classic example, like we were pitching a, a thing and I was talking about doing like 16 by nine vertical screens instead of horizontal screens. So we put them upright and then we put the people on that because people are taller than they are wide. And, and Speak I was like, I've always some, learned, some people are taller for the most part, for the most part, speak for yourself, for the most part. Yeah. For the most part. Um, and, and so we were pitching this and I was like, yeah, I was really excited to try this. And I got like kicked underneath the table because I talked about the fact that we were trying it as opposed to something that we had already done. Interesting. And that kind of thing. And so it was, it was really, it was uncomfortable for me. And so I've never been the person that says, uh, you know, yes, client, we can do whatever you want. You know, it's, I've always been kind of the, yeah, we can absolutely do that, but we don't recommend doing that. And here's why. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And so that kind of radical candor or honesty thing is, it's also just so much easier. <laughs> it's, it's like, you don't have to try and keep track of things. You don't have to remember what did I say to this person versus what did I say to that person? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's all wrapped up in this stuff. Uh, all of this, I'm fascinated by the psychology behind all of this, um, that we're talking about today. And I just, I love all the subtleties of it. Like what is the difference between being in person versus being online? Is it just that one layer of abstraction that, that, that makes it go where all of a sudden we feel like we can be like a-holes, you know, what, what, where, where does that come into play and how much of an abstraction has to come in before that, you know, disappears is, is us being on a call, a video call, is that enough to, to, to make people, you know, simmer down a little bit or is that, you know, Or is it, you know, somewhere in between? Is it a sliding scale? Is it somewhere in there? You know, uh, at the old production company I was at, we were really good at late night hypotheticals. 
and you know as you're striking you know it's just something to pass the time and talk while you're while you're putting stuff putting palm trees away at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) and um you know one of them was you know this big green bay fan she was a huge green bay fan we're like okay if they got rid of the salary cap and everything and like the minnesota vikings bought Every player on the Green Bay Vikings, uh, Green Bay Packers, and put, made them Vikings. Would you still be a Green Bay Packer fan? She's like, yeah, of course I would. Okay, so you have no loyalty to these players, yeah, whatsoever. It's not a hypothetical over here, by the way. Uh, it, yes. uh, it, <laughs> right. I, I live in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, that that has been like the ownership of decades. Like as soon as he moved this, uh, the team, he. Uh, he had one of his best childhood friends uh, died uh, while after he moved the team to Baltimore, and he couldn't come back to Cleveland for the funeral because he was scared for his life. Uh, sports is weird, uh, and and like I agree, what an arbitrary like what is that? What's the boat uh, that they just talked about in Vision and Scarlet Witch? The uh, uh, ship of Theseus. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. If you if, <laughs> if you if you change every you know piece of the boat uh, over time, is it still the boat? Is it still the, is it still still the, the Packers? <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And the other the other good one on the on the sports, and I think this this ties into everything that we've been talking about today is that when you ask someone about their team, well, okay, Nick, do you have a, do you have a team? I do. Uh, it's embarrassing. Uh, it's Will, the, do you have a team? Pittsburgh Steelers. No. No, no, no team for. Will. I mean, like well, for soccer, I'd say like the German national team. But this is getting that's getting obscure. Okay, all right. So the last game that they played, Nick, uh, who who won? Uh, the Steelers actually won that one. Believe it or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, you avoided it, but I did probably didn't phrase the question. We right. didn't so, win. So, uh, we won. There you go. Is that is that we won? There you go. Yeah. Yep. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. So it's we won, and then if they lose, it's they lose. Correct. Yeah, that's interesting. So right? it's we won, but they lose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sports and the and the we part is fascinating. Like I used to use that uh, when I because I, a lot of my work was with associations. And I would say like the, the ultimate goal of an association is to have a level of belonging uh, where it is akin to sports, where, you know, you don't talk about the association that you belong to, but you say we. And by the way, I've I've been in and experienced many different associations that that met that not to the same level of sports, but they did. They did take wins. Uh, that they had no nothing to do with as their own. Uh, it's possible, um, you know, when you pay dues to be able to get to that. But belonging is such a central element to, I would say, gatherings in general. Uh, in addition to associations, I think that's just one of the things that are they, like they really, really jive together. Like where where they both the word that I think that has the most Venn diagram overlap between the mission statements of bringing people together. Uh, and and actually an association's you know mandate of membership and, and advocacy and all is the belonging part of it, but belonging requires. Uh, it's really easy, I think, at a certain level, uh, to be able to have a small group of people that belong because you're all thinking exactly the same. You're all on the same level. If your if your goal is for growth and for advocacy and for change, you have to take and figure out what's at the center of what makes you feel like you belong and apply that to other people. Instead of trying to convert them, you need to understand them and listen to them in order for you to change and them to change. And I think that's the difference. Hmm. So I might open a bit of a can of worms on this one. Sure. I love (laughs) the worms are going to, they're going to come out, but we've talked a little bit about how like we make sure that we're not doing this. And we talked a little bit about how we make sure the industry is not doing this, but I think this also applies to our attendees too. You know, I think there's so I was in a uh, in a client meeting uh, very, very recently, and they talked about how there was a certain small percentage of people who didn't like the platform. And then one of my employees replied back and said, we got so many comments on how much they loved it. We got hired by attendees to do their event because they loved it. We're like, why is this? And we kind of like essentially diagnosed it down to there was a small group of people that were very angry that wanted it a certain way and everything like that. And they were changing their entire execution of the event they were trying to change the complete platform the complete system that they were going to utilize and we it's just like it was one of those things where i was like okay well you're kind of like just bent you're almost allowing them to become adversaries for you rather than to become advocates for you and i think this is where that kind of like challenge directly piece comes in right obviously i think they care personally which is why they're listening these people but they sometimes i think you need to challenge directly your attendees and almost like manage downward and say like, look, like 
I need you to be on my side for me to make this. I'm going to try to make the best event experience possible for you. But if you're going to complain about every single thing, because we know we have those attendees who complain about everything and we still beck and call to their whim. Or we don't want to say beck and call to their whim, but we just like brush it off. But in reality is that, you know, sure, you brush it off, but then that ekes on to other people, you know, right? You have that one person who puts a complaint in the chat. Well, now that sours everybody else's opinion who's attending the event as well. But I definitely think it's one of these things where, you know, we have to be willing to challenge directly, I think, also our attendees. Otherwise, we become their servants rather than their leaders. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think that a lot of times... Um, and, and to, to take the back of the attendee and also agree with you at the same time, uh, I think that the reason that they don't do that, the reason that we just become order takers frequently is that um, many times we don't give the attendee transparency uh, into why we make the decisions that we do. Like we, we make decisions because generally speaking, I think event planners are smart and they're, they're, they get it mostly right uh, with intuition. Uh, I would say more often, much more often than not. But they don't necessarily um, open it up uh, too much for fear of of the negatives of opening up, you know, uh, to a committee or, you know, the equivalent. Um, I think hmm. that like a level of transparency of why you've made the decisions that you've had and to give them some stake. That's the other element. So if you were to say something like this, hey, we're going to we're going to we're going to go with an, a different platform this year. It's it's newer. Uh, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's ready for prime time, you know, it, but it's going to be cool. We're going to learn a lot. And at the end of it, uh, we're all going to talk about what the experience was like, what we can do to change things. Uh, we we want to listen to you, want to hear you. Uh, but what do you think about that? And and what uh, and, and afterwards, like, we'll come together and we'll be able to make it, you know, each event even better. I, I, not Not the best words, but something where they understand the decision-making process that you made. Um, and, and the openness to, to tell them, we don't know everything, but we're trying and we've been listening to you. And this is the kind of thing that you want. And at the end of it, who knows, we may make a decision afterwards that's different, but we want to hear you. We want you to be part of the process. Generally, it's, it's more of an authoritative perspective when it comes to design of like, we know our people, we know what they like, we know who they like. We look at the passive data to tell you what speakers, you know, they like, and we give them those speakers yet again the next year and, uh, you know, and it's like they get the highest marks. It's like not knowing that they didn't you know, somebody that they didn't know how they would react to that. Right. It's all based on just, you know, lots of survivor bias. But uh, like having that idea that you 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 could, you know, you could let the guard down a little bit. You could let the veil, you know, over and, and actually bring your attendees into it and give them a voice. I've, I've even done it with events where we've had like little advocacy groups of attendees uh represented as personas and we let them talk uh, as you know representative of your larger group as to not make it overwhelming and then tell those stories you know in the midst of it as well to have um, to let people know the attendees that this was co-authored with uh, uh, you know select members of attendees representing different ways of viewing things there, there's a lot of ways to do it but I think that like for advocacy uh, agents to be created if you want to make change, you have to be willing to be changed yourself. And you can't just do it the same way that you've done it and just say, why don't they just get it? And it's like, well, they think the same about you and you're both in that same rut. You know, bring people together and say like, okay, this is the problem. Let's, let's fix it together. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of communities that really could do that as opposed to like, how do we guess what they want or how do we change them or move them or make them that's, I think, the biggest issue with social media discourse of like, I just, I've yelled so much over every single day about the man with the orange hair and they still don't, you know, they still don't get it. Or it's like, I've said this a million times and this guy, he's making, making me wear a mask and all this. And it's like, no, 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 like, just stop. Like, like ask someone that you respect and say, hey, teach me. I want to understand you. Th those types of opportunities, even in that midst of that gentleman that you said, like, um, you know, you, there's a potential, even though that person was on the assault to say, okay, we, you, you spent, you know, a lot of money to you. That that's great. Help me understand like where you're coming from when you say that, you know, and, and challenge that person like that. It, it's, I think the, the, the problem with a lot of this is, is the people who are being the, uh, like hit have to also take, be even more humble, right? After you've been hit, that's the part. It's always hit back, hit, hit back, hit. 
you have to take a hit and then you also have to like humbly go to that person and say, I, you know, I wish you understood the way that, you know, my people have not been treated well, but I'm going to, and it's not my job to tell you that, but I'm going to still, I'm going to try, you know, or something. It's really difficult to say that the person who has been disrespected needs to be the one that's humble, but that's how the cycle's broken in a lot of these things, I think. It's looking for option C. Yeah. You know, so 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 a lot of times people feel like their options are stay out of it, just just stay out of it, don't engage, stay out of it because if you, you get don't get sucked in, did, did, or flame on, you know, yep. just like let's go, you know, I, I, I'm here we go, I'm gonna drop you know drop it down, flame it on, here we go, and I'm not gonna go into the whole story, but I, you know, I was I don't do Facebook, but I do do next door. <laughs> Next door, and oh, it's wow. it's, some, it's somewhat better. It's you got to get somewhat, me into that. Somewhat better, um, not not by much. But without <laughs> going into all the details, it was one of these things where they were arguing about a municipal issue, and and it's it's the same argument that we've heard a thousand times. But they finally implemented it after arguing about it, and this guy was posting, you know, well, why do I have to? Blah, 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 blah. And of course, it was flame on. Everybody just flame, 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 flame. And I just went, it was, it's, it's about like how much, how garbage collection works here. And I was just like, well, how Weird much were you paying before? And that's all I said. I just, what was option C? It's like, how much were you paying before? And he did the math. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's actually like half what I was paying before. Because <laughs> he was complaining about like a $5 charge that was on. Am I going to pay a lot for, for my garbage? Is that what you're telling me? I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm I don't know what it is over <laughs> across the river there. Yeah, um, it's I'm, but I'm moving uh, over by in like two weeks. Uh, better. Uh, but I'll tell you what. So I looked. I, but so so by going Route C, mm-hmm. I heard two words that you never hear on the internet. You know, yeah. Right. said, "Oh, he said, oh, you're right." Wow, that's yep, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's pretty pretty unheard of. I've never been in a thread that went long enough where the person goes, "Yep, you changed my mind." I have yeah. gone in threads many times where Godwin's Law shows up. I don't know how familiar you are with that one. What's, what's yeah. Godwin's Law? Oh, uh, you, you, you must be new to the internet. So uh, if the no, uh, I probably know what it is. I probably just never called it that. You do. Uh, it's uh, if uh, any any uh, an online uh, discourse uh, back and forth for uh, long it goes on long enough, someone will compare someone to Hitler, and like <laughs> that's that's the level, and you're oh, like. Okay. You know, of of the Internet. It's like, well, no one's listening to me. And in fact, in, in, to go back to debate, in debate, they would take points away if you raised your voice. And, and usually that means that uh, when you raise your voice, you're doing I shouldn't say just raise your voice, but raising your voice in that, you know, in a way that is adversarial. Uh, you do that to uh, compensate for a lack of actual content. And that's the comparing somebody to Hitler is like the ultimate version of that. You know, I'm sure there there is someone in a trash can conversation on the next door talking about Hitler somewhere. <laughs> like if it goes on long enough, um, the the amount of like like absolute hyperboil that exists in, in this, you don't see a lot of hyperboil in in face to face conversations where you're like, man, you you know you just you know you remind me of Adolf Hitler. You know that guy? You remind me of him. But meanwhile, every other <laughs> Facebook post has that in there somewhere. Like, no one says I that. Guess, I guess I was option B guy who was just like, I'm going to stay out of it. So I never got part of those conversations. I got to Godwin's Law. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those fallacies of debates where it's it's like, oh, well, clearly you've given up uh, intellectually and you're uh, you're you're comparing like the most extreme thing to yours in order to uh, get people's attention because attention is the currency as opposed to change and change really I mean in the events world and bringing people together our currency is change uh, that's how you know was your event successful really the answer is how were people changed did they like, going back to my hypothetical dentist association conference if people came into this and like okay there was five big problems that this this industry was facing prior to your association event and they came out of it with the tools they needed and an understanding they needed to take on that uh, th- those challenges, you know, in a more meaningful way. Then you've created the change to make them strong enough to be able to uh, survive and, and thrive the following year. So, you know, you did your job. That's what we do. And anytime we bring people together, regardless of the type of event it is, um, it probably esoterically could bring that to celebrations too, I suppose. But it really is about change. You know, it is about refueling people uh it's about perspective it's about making people stronger and i think that like anything that is about protecting people from outside ideas uh and insulating them from you know different viewpoints 
uh, is the opposite of change. I mean, it's it's basically stagnation, but scaled to just a crazy level currently. And uh, that's my like biggest fear of what the algorithmic-based communication platforms are, are doing to us. And I think that many people listening to this are in positions in whatever way they can to say, hey, is there something we can do to tweak this uh, schedule and this event or, or whatever that would bring maybe some people from different points of view together uh, and in a, in a mutual respect in order to um, show people how it's done, you know, to, to show people the thing that they're craving that they don't know they're missing, which is humanity coming together and not coming together without humanity. Boom. So go do that. Go yeah. do that. <laughs> that's your, that, that's your, solved. That's, that's your job this week is figure out a way <laughs> to bring people who would not normally come together, bring them to come together and then have them both become better for it and the outcome. Know that there are billion, you know, multi-billion dollar organizations working against that. Uh, and uh, maybe actively, maybe not actively, uh, and know that the majority of humanity is suffering from that. And if you can alleviate that, you're going to do not only something really big and profound, uh, but also something that's you know really needed. So, Brant, what, question, what questions should we ask the audience today, Brant? Put them on the spot. What's, <laughs> what's one small thing that you can do in your world to help build people up instead of tear people down? Boom. Shoot us an email, eventbrew at helloendless.com. Almost said the other podcast email. <laughs> or shoot, tag us on social media, hashtag eventbrew. You know we follow you. Tag us. Start the conversation as well. So. Brew. Boom. Well, Nick, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, our special, special guest, very special guest, Brant Kruger. Thank you so much for joining us as well. My pleasure. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Event Brew. Shoot us an email, you know, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And we will see you next time You're like, on what Event Brew. Time? What time? I don't even know. Um, I don't even know. But yeah, we'll see. Occurrence. <laughs> we'll see you next week on Event Brew. Oh, also, if you if you enjoyed this conversation with Brant, make sure to check out the other podcast, Event Tech Podcast, where we talk about event technology. And I thought we were the other podcast, and that was the... the <laughs> <laughs> the real one, but okay. That's or fine. if if you're looking for more from Brand too, Brand also hosted a good zillion episodes of of the Event Icon Show as well, so you can go check that out and also hear more about his backstory. So go check out all those extra pieces of content on Brand. So thank you so much, Brand, for joining us again. But let's get out of here because this will doesn't know how to do the outro anymore. And uh, yeah, everyone have a fantastic day. We'll see you next time on Event Brew. Bye. Event Brew out. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew. Event Brew.